what a, what a great way to start the day with an amazing reminder that we do have a holy God who invites us into that personal relationship where we can call him Father and how much he just loves us in spite of ourselves. I know in spite of myself, it just blows my mind constantly. So um, I'm glad that you guys are able to join us this morning. My name is Dion, and so I just want to welcome you to Crossroads. Some of you guys I'm seeing for the first time in a long time, and it just overwhelms me um, to be able to see everybody. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are a holy Father. I think sometimes that is really hard for us as human beings to wrap our minds around what that really means. Um, I just pray that today maybe we will get a deeper understanding of what that means and what an amazing gift it is that as a holy God, you sent your Son to die on our behalf so that we can have the kind of relationship with you that we can call you Father. So we thank you for that. Thank you for the message. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dion. It's amazing. She turns around and sees me there, and she just isn't overwhelmed by this picture of beauty that is standing there. (laughs) I just thought I'd mention that. My name is Bill, and I'm totally obnoxious for those of you who don't know me. And I'm I'm really excited about the message today, and it's all going to be downhill from here. So uh, buckle up and get ready. Uh, we're continuing our series. We're in, it's almost 23 weeks in a series about the uh, letter wrote, written to a church in, in Rome. And we've been looking at good news. The, the whole series started with uh, the good news and now it's the good life. We're, we're carrying on through this whole book. And, and we've been talking about the honor and the privileges that we have as followers of Jesus Christ the blessings that God gives us. And as we start out, the, the one we're talking about today, last week we talked about adoption, that, that, that only Christians of all the religions of the world have the boldness and the courage to stand in the holy place in front of God and say, Our Father. Jesus said to, that they were adopted, that were chosen before the foundation of the world for adoption. That was, that was last week. This week we're, we're talking about another pro- couple of promises and... Uh, to me, they're, they're huge, and so we're going to kind of unpack them. Uh, this comes out of the 8th chapter of Romans, so this, this chapter, as we've talked about, once you get into chapter 8, you're talking to Christians, to those people who have made a, a personal commitment to Jesus Christ, who have chosen out of love for him, and we'll talk about that today, to give our lives to him. So these are the promises for a follower of Christ. It said the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because we don't know how to pray uh, the way we ought to do that. Uh, But the Spirit himself, he'll intercede with words, with groanings, with ideas, with concepts uh, too deep for words. What happens is the Holy Spirit dwells in every Christian. It's it's the mark of a Christian. As a matter of fact, earlier in chapter 8, it says if you don't have the Spirit, then then you're not a follower of Christ. And so uh, the Spirit that lives inside of me, the Holy Spirit, when, when I pray... It translates. Those of you who are familiar with Star Trek, you've got the uh, universal translator that you can speak to cling on and it comes out, whatever. And uh, the Spirit does that for us. He searches, and, and not just searches our mind and, and, and the words, He searches what is most important to God our hearts. You see, when God 
sees us moving here on earth, what he's really seeing is our hearts. Because it's our heart, your heart, and my heart that define me. And there's, there's no uh, obstacle. This is the pure who we are. So the Holy Spirit, it searches our heart, and, and he knows what is the mind of the Spirit. And, and because he intercedes with the saints, that saints, we're, we're saints uh, in God's eyes, through Christ, according to the will of God. So he's interceding for us. So I don't know about you, there's sometimes you, you don't know how to pray in a situation, or we, we just throw out a prayer. And uh, I don't know about you, and I don't know if anyone else likes this expression, but once in a while there's a prayer that I feel or a, is a brick. You ever thrown a brick into the sky hoping it's going to go into orbit? <laughs> well, sometimes my prayers, I just, I, it, not that they're a bad prayer, but I know in me I didn't do my best. So I feel throwing bricks at heaven. But I've got good news for other brick throwers that are here. The Holy Spirit will intercede. He will turn my brick into fragrant, according to the Bible, uh, incense that goes before God, revealing my heart and, and what I really feel down inside, translated and, and put in front of this holy God in a way that he can be well pleased with his servant. This is a promise that, that God gives us for those with the Spirit. So that's one promise we look at. That's good news. The next bit of the good news that's in here is also astounding to each person who wants to do what God wants us to do. We know that those who love, for those who love God, we'll talk about the qualifications here, the if, uh, for those who love God, all things will work together for good for every person who's called according to his purposes. All things will work together for good. Uh, all the good things, all the bad things, all the, the victories, all the successes, God will cause them to work together for good inside of our lives. The wonderful things we say to other people, the godly things we say to other people and do to other people, and the ungodly things we say to other people, the mistakes we make, God will cause them to work together for good for those who love him and are seeking his purposes. This is a promise that's beyond anything that, that, that God, even in mistakes, will cause it to work together to good. It may be leading us to a spiritual correction, a spanking, a discipline, to make us better for next time. But he will cause that to work together for good. Not only in our lives, the mistakes that we make, they, they go out like ripples. And he can cause those mistakes that we would look at as, how am I ever going to get those words back? To work together in our life, but also in the lives of the people that are being impacted if they know Christ. There's, there's promises in, in here. This is, this is incredible good news. Causes all things. All things. For 22 weeks, this is just one of the promises we've been looking at. But there's a qualification. And we started this last week when we talked about adoption. Uh, we listened to a, a rap artist, a Christian rap artist. Yes, they have them. And he gives the message of Christ. It's the spoken gospel is his ministry. 
And he emphasized last week adoption. If, if, if we could be adopted. The adoption's on the table, but, but it's our response and choice to receive it. This week, again, we talk about if. Let's, let's hear him as he moves us into the next area. If, if Christ, if Christ was raised from the dead, if Jesus was resurrected, then we can be adopted. If the grave by the Son was conquered, then we can be reconciled to the Father. For we needed a new stature, a new status, a new portion. For we hated the Father, and so we made ourselves orphans. You see, we were separated by our sins, engrafted into a lineage whose consistent family trait was that every member would be condemned. We needed someone to pay our orphanage bills, someone who knew our past but loved us still, someone to rescue us from our family's guilt. But in order to make that payment, give that love, and absolve that guilt, that someone would have to be killed. Because death was the tab we had racked up. And with footing that bill, someone was going to have to get stuck. That is why Christ chose to die. But the good news is that he got back up. You see, he died to pay what we owed, but rose again to take us home. So if Christ was raised, we are no longer slaves, slaves to paying off a debt we could never pay. Instead, since Christ was raised, anyone who would put their faith in the free grace found in Jesus' name are no longer slaves but sons, no longer debtors but daughters. For as surely as Jesus rose from the grave, our status has changed from fatherless to fathered, from orphans to adopted. Yeah. It's shocking. In two minutes and eight seconds, he said what it's taken me 22 weeks to, to get across. That's the gospel. That's the good news. We've been, we've been talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the good news that comes from him. And, and you just heard it presented to us again, and we're going to continue to unpack it. But again, the big thing that he started out is the qualifications, the if. Most people uh, are unaware, but the truth is that all the promises of God are conditional. They're granted and made available totally 100%, not on a basis of our works, not on the basis of things that we do, uh, or even anything else. It's a basis on our choice to accept them on God's terms. It's a gift accepted from Him. But if there's an if, and so we're, we're going to talk again about these two promises as we go through today. But it's really piling upon promise upon promises, the adoption, all of these other things that was talked about in the video that's there. So today uh, we're, we're going to talk about someone who paid our debt. We're going to talk about Christ's death. It's demonstrated to us. It's not, this is not something, we're, as we talk about it, that's hidden 
These are historical events that we can go back and look at the evidence and the proof. For God demonstrated his love toward us. Because when we were sinners, when we were enemies of God, he said we, we were of a lineage of enemies of God, rebellious people. And that's true for all of us. That's where we start. Uh, Christ in that situation, sinners and enemies, Christ dies for us. You know, we, the verse points out, you'll do something for good people, but Christ did the unthinkable. The holy came and died for the unholy. While we were choosing to be unholy, this is something. And he gave us a choice. We can choose the wages of sin in our life as death, or we can choose him to pay that debt. And then we have the free gift of God, which is eternal life. These are, these are Christianese phrases that, that sadly they bounce off. We, unless you're shocked by them, they're bouncing off. If we take a step back and, uh, and go, oh, that's true. Undeservedly, unknowingly, Christ died for me. It changes lives. And that's really what we're talking about is that life changed today. This is what we've been looking at over this time. The goal and the application today is simple. And as we review this, there's, there's three groups of people here. First and foremost, there's a group of people that have chosen to answer the if question. And this is the one that we posed several weeks ago. Uh, it, those of you who are familiar with this, this graphic, it shows a wide path, many people on it off to the left. And off to the right is a very narrow way, and the Bible says it's a hard way. One way's easy, one way's hard, one way you got a lot of companions. The other side, it's lonely because few people choose it. And we know that in our culture today, the numbers are, are dismal. That church attenders, it's only 6% understand biblical Christianity. Uh, culturally, we're, we're, we're going away, but the if, if we choose a narrow way, and, and that's the question. And so today, first person, are those of you who have chosen to follow Christ? If we've been united with him uh, in a death like his, we've laid our lives down. Certainly we'll be united with him in a resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him. To become a Christian, uh, Christ died for us. We lay our old life down. We die to our old life. And he now lives in us. This is the if. That's the choice that we'll be crucified with him so he can live through us. We're no longer a slave to sin if we do that. We've been set free. Now, if we have died with Christ, we'll live with him. This is a third of the people here, a good group of people here uh, today are saying, that's me. That's my promise. That's my reality. I've made that choice. I I've given my life to Christ. So that, that's the first group. The second group that's, that, we, that we're excited that is here always, uh, we, we strive diligently as much as we can to present Jesus Christ in a way that someone looking for truth, seeking truth, can find it without a lot of the confusion and depth and everything else. We put the verses up. You don't have to do a Bible drill to find them. Uh, we're here to answer questions. We, we, we have found someone who who's <laughs> speaks simply, I hope, uh, that you can understand. Uh, but seekers, if you're here today and you're seeking truth, or you're standing at that crossroads, uh, this is just information. If we can help you on a journey, let us know. Third group here is, is someone standing at that crossroads, and they're saying, you know, I've listened for 22 weeks. Man, have I been patient with this, these guys. And, and so today's the day that we encourage you to, to make a decision. 
maybe with everything that's been put forward, you've, you've looked at the evidence that we've laid out, you've examined your heart, you've looked for truth, and you say, I, I want that. I want that. Uh, today's the day to encourage that, that crossroads position that you're in. Uh, it, it's, it, it's a place I stood when I was 33 years old. And I'd been given all the evidence. I'd done the research, six months of diligent seeking. God, many of you know the story. I sat there in the back of a back aisle uh, pew. They had pews in those days. Uh, how come they named it pew? You know, pew is not something you'll pew. Uh, that was free. That was just a little side trip. But I was sitting in the back of a church in a pew, and uh, I'd listened to all the evidence. I knew the truth. I had tried to disprove it. I tried to get out of it, if you will, and to hang on to my life and still be a Christian and go to heaven because that was my reality before. And I came to the point where I realized, no, I couldn't. Uh, if, if I was to be true to what I knew, I would have to lay my life down and give Christ control. And so maybe, and, and the hope is always that one person, it's one. Today would be a victory that, uh, uh, total victory for crossroads and for God and in heaven. So uh, three groups. Uh, we'll do a summary at the end to see where we came out on that. Uh, but first, if, the first if, if we love God. First if. I like, I like the way that he's able to say it with such power. Uh, the if. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, if. If. That's true if, if we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. God's love, the love that he's talking about is the love he has for us. It's unconditional, it's unchanging, it's humble, it's unselfish. Can you imagine Jesus Christ, the eternal God living in heaven, taking off all of that glory and being born into a manger totally dependent to die for us ultimately. That's humility. It's humility personified, really. And so, but we are called to the same standard of love. We are to love God with everything we've got unconditionally, unchanging, unmerited. That's the promise. You know, why would we do that? Why would we make that decision? Quite simply, because it's a rational decision. Christianity is not based on an emotional decision. Emotional uh, foundation, emotions are great. Emotions are great. I very worship song, very, emo I just, Lord. So emotions are not bad, but you don't build your life on them. Emotions come and they go. You, you see it in movies, you see it in life. Everyone has experienced this aha love moment. And then the next day you went, oh, no, no love moment uh, in relationships. Real love is continuing and ongoing, and, and that's the word. Why would, we, why would we make a rational decision to love God? Well, he made him who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin on our behalf. All my junk and yours was taken off of us and put on Christ. And he paid for those sins. But the great exchange is that his righteousness without sin was put on us. 
Great exchange. Our sins to him, his holiness and righteousness to us. We love because he first loved us. He is the inviter. He made the proposal. He loved us for an ongoing love relationship. By the mercies of God. Therefore, by the mercies of God. Therefore, what's therefore, therefore? Therefore is because of all the proof that has been given before in the book of Romans that Jesus Christ loves us, died for us, walked among us. Therefore, we should, a rational decision is to lay our lives down for him. That's, that's the response of love out of love. It's a rational movement that we bring about. We love him with all of our heart. And again, love, and again the confusion in our culture today, love requires sacrifice. It, when, when people get married, and this is an ongoing uh, reality that I run into, too many people get married for what they're going to get out of it. Why are you marrying in a premarital? Why are you, why? What, why this person? And the, the normal response is, I, matter of fact, I can't think of anyone who ever said it right. The normal response is what the person will get. Oh, you know, they're so wonderful. They complete my life. They're so perfect for me. They're, you know, just look, she's beautiful. Look, he's, yeah, men. Uh, but it's, it's a what we get. That's, that's backwards. Love is what we can give. Why are you marrying this person? Because I can serve them. I can humbly love them like Christ loves me. I can show that to this person. You know, uh, this love with all of our heart, it is 100%. I, I point this out. You come to Crossroads for a while, you'll know this. If not, you, you're now stuck with it. Uh, when, you do a, when I do a wedding, I never have said, would you promise to love and be faithful to this person 99% of the time? I love that example because everyone goes, oh, Bill, 3.5 days a year, you can go out and do your thing. That's not love. No one would sign up for it if you verbalized it. Love is 100%. And God says, keep it. Don't abandon the love that we had at first for God. Don't be lukewarm. And again, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a battle. This is a battle for every Christian. This is a battle, by the way, for every husband and wife. And in each of these relationships, as we look at our mate, we have a choice to keep our love fresh by looking at what's good or by looking at what's bad and picking them apart and losing that first love. But when we, when we look at Christ and we remember what he's done, this verse says, remember, repent and do the deeds you did at first. You know what the deeds we did at first? I stood amazed that Christ died for me. And every, the new reality that my sins were forgiven because God died for me, kept me alive. That's what I did at first, and that brings me, always brings me back to my first love. You know, now, so what does that mean to us? Sacrifice and obedience that takes place out of that. If, if we say we love someone, we serve them. If, if my wife asks me to do something and I say, I love you, no. Well, not only would that be the most foolish thing I've done that day, uh, but it's inconsistent. I can't 
not serve someone I love. We can't not serve God if we love him. That's, that's very simple, and he puts it out. Anyone who says, I come to know him, and we don't keep his commandments, <laughs> the truth's not in them. If we love him, we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to look opportunities to serve everything we do. It becomes part. That's part of this. So, so in our love, uh, our love is, is based also as a rational decision, but it's rational because it's based on truth. And I don't spend a lot of time on this. I, I put these trains up and, uh, all the time. It's, it's a very simple statement of the Christian faith and the Christian life. Truth is, uh, Christianity is, is about faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But faith is not a wispy thing that comes and goes. Faith has to have an object. And the more certain and sure and complete that object is, the greater our faith. We have evidence, and we've talked about it over the last 20 weeks, won't repeat it, that why we believe in God. The evidence is overwhelming. We continue to put that forward to people because most people think that it's feelings. You check your brain at the, the, the church house door. No, bring your brains. Bring your hearts. God has an answer for both of them. So again, the, the fact, information, evidence given, we have faith in it. So we choose to do the rational thing. If you believe something is true and you have proof for it, and, and then you do what it says. If you believe that uh, double yellows, you don't pass on them, you don't do that. Knock it off. I'm going to be on 395 today, so don't go running me over. It, we, believe, we, we do that. It's the facts. We follow. And then ultimately in Christ, we're promised that the feelings follow. In our culture today, the overwhelming majority of people who, even people who call themselves Christians, we follow our feelings. We go to churches that make us feel good. We do things that make us feel good. And we follow those feelings. When those feelings are gone, we shift over to the next thing. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster. The facts are laying in the weeds somewhere. So this is, these are the facts. How do we know about God? I'm going to do this quickly, but it's, it's good information to have. Because God gives each person here a revelation. You know, I could ask you, wouldn't everyone here like a revelation? Oh, give me a revelation, God. Well, he has. Each person here has God's general revelation. The general revelation is that God's revealed himself. He's revealed himself through creation. If you're honest, and this calls honesty, you cannot hold a baby and go, eh, good product of evolution, a lot of accidents here. Now, the, the moment of creation may have been an accident you hadn't planned, but that baby is God's creation. Billions of bits of information lined up perfectly to create this miracle that's there. It's a miracle. Look at the stars in the sky, the 24 factors that have to be perfectly balanced inside of our solar system for us to have life. Look at Look at all the things that have to come together, the systems in my body, those, the numbers of systems that have to work together to allow me and you to have life. 
It's complicated. There's a creator. There is design. So he shows us that in creation. I could do that all the time. It goes on. Chapters 1 and 2 of Romans lay that out. Uh, also, we have the Bible. It's a, uh, this is now it's a general revelation to everybody. God speaks to the world, but he speaks to us personally through the Bible. It's a personal revelation when we open it and we allow it to change our lives. It's personal. When I read the Bible in the morning, like I did this morning, it's a personal revelation. God is speaking to me personally, reminding me of his love, reminding me of his power, but also reminding me that I'm his child and what is good, but it's also reminding me what he wants me to do and how to live. It's a personal revelation comes out of the scripture. Another personal revelation is deep inside of our hearts. And this is where it's starting to get, I hope, uh, where we start to say, wait a minute. God gave us a moral compass. Each person ever born in this world was given a moral compass of right and wrong. We can try and hide it with addictions. We can try and cover it up by not going to church, not reading our Bible. Not inter- we can try to do that, bury ourselves in videos, pornography, and other things that are there. But the truth is we have a conscience, a moral compass that tells us what's right and wrong. Sometimes we've all said something to someone and we go, Ugh. or we've disciplined our children in anger. Or we've disciplined our parents in anger, which is getting to be more and more common that takes place. And we go and we go, that's wrong. That's just wrong. We see something in the news and we go, that's just, we see the injustices. That's wrong. That's wrong. And, 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 and we, in my life, I started out living a life that was far from God with people that were far from God, but in sober moments, and I use that word carefully because I chose it, sober moments, I knew the truth. I knew that I was a sinner rat dog, and I was wrong. My moral compass, and yours also cannot be turned off. It's a personal revelation day to day as it takes place. Our conscience, con with science knowledge, with knowledge, will tell us what's right and wrong. It's a, it's a, it's a personal revelation to us. You know, and at some point, there's a huge personal revelation that has to take place. I had to come to a place to realize that I was a moral failure. And I was guilty before a holy God. And the only judgment that was in front of me was hell. There has to become that truth that we're sinners. Not little sinners. I always say this and everyone misinterprets what I'm saying. Sinner. Big S sinner. Not little S sinner. Big S sinners that we we can't explain away so it becomes true and we find there's no distinction for all of sin if we say we have not sinned we're deceiving ourselves we are the in we do live in the age of self-exoneration but also we're calling god a liar because god says we're all sinners so we we come somewhere inside of ourselves we understand that we're in deep trouble because we're sinners and there's a moral holy god Everyone here wants justice. We want the bad guys punished. We want those guilty put in jail. But then when we come to the realization that we're the guilty, 
we, need, we start to recognize that there's judgment coming for us, and that's true. Christ gave the answer. Easter message. Very simple message. We've heard it so many times. That, that God, without distinction, the righteousness of God, the true, the perfection of God, was just shown to us. Apart from the law, the prophets tell us about it. It's through faith in Christ. All have sinned and fallen short. All. If we can't get that qualification in our heart and our mind, uh, we, we're deceiving ourselves. But what happens, all have sinned and fallen short. Two words. If, if the book of Romans does nothing else, two words. The first word is when God sent son, his son as a sacrifice is propitiation. I can't even pronounce it, but that's, here's what it means. It means that someone had to die. We watched it in the video. Jesus is God's son that's sent to die for my sins. It's a propitiation put forward to cover my debt. The second word that we need to walk away from is the word repentance. It's an easy word, isn't it? It's repent. John the Baptist said it. Jesus said it. God says it throughout the Old Testament. The prophets are standing up screaming, repent. We've all heard it. But repentance is something that happens deep inside of us. It's a turn away from sin. But why do we turn away? Because there's an abhorrence, strong word, abhorrence, of past and present sins. We hate them so much. We abhor them. We abhor them. Why? Why is there that? Why is that there? You see, you got to connect them. Because my sins, your sins, they just don't float around in the air. When I sin today, I am driving 395. I will do my best. But I'm going to sin probably sooner or later, impatience, whatever, cajon backed up again as we wander through it for an extra hour, hour and a half. Okay. Why, is, why, is, why do I want to guard my heart? Why do I not want to sin? Because the sins that I commit today and the sins that each person here, you, will commit today are taken off us and put on Christ to be paid for at the cross. Think about that. Because I love Christ, there has to be an abhorrence of sin, an avoidance of sin, literally at all cost. How can there not be if we understand the truth? Now, shocking, shocking. My sins go to the cross. I've accepted Christ. He pays for them. What about someone who never accepts Christ and goes to hell because they will not give their life to him? Did Christ die for their sins too? Yeah. The greatest pain in hell will be that knowledge. That it was a choice, an if, a decision that would have changed everything. So this, this, is, this is the truth of it. There's there's this gift, and then there's this repentance that turn and, and understand the importance of our choices. We understand the truth, then we love God. First qualification. The second qualification for today is called according to his purpose. The second half of this verse. <clears throat> Promised to us, but what does it mean to be called according to God's purposes? Again, it's, it's, it's stated clearly. What is the purpose of man? 
This is a question that came out of the uh, uh, New England Primer, which was a book that was taught in the United States. Every student in the schools, every student learned basically to read through the Bible. Each letter had a Bible verse after it in the alphabet. So when you learn the alphabet, you learn verse 26 verses and you had to memorize them to be able to pass the test. And at some point in this test, they said, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of man? And the only answer that would get you to the next grade, the purpose of man is to know and to love God and to enjoy him forever. Wouldn't you like to hear the students in our classrooms today ask that question? What does that look like? Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Don't lean on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge him and he can make our path straight. Notice the qualification. If we trust in him, if we acknowledge him, don't lean on our stuff, then he, and we, we do what he tells us, his purposes, then he can guide our paths. So what does, that, what does that look like in, in the thing? Is first off, it's abiding in Christ. We, we, we find our life and our connection in Christ. This is, this is a great honor daily to open God's special revelation and personal revelation to us, his word, and to connect with him and to hear his voice. Jesus says that he's a vine and we're branches. We connect to him when we read his word. We abide in him. We abide in his word. We listen to him. We pray uh, to him with an open heart and an open mind. Uh, we, we do this if we abide. Uh, if we don't, we're disconnected. But if we, it comes down to the bottom. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And that by this, God's glorified. The fruit inside of our lives glorifies God. What's fruit? What fruit do we have? Uh, a friend of mine that came from Washington State, they used to call California the land of the fruit and nuts. And so, but we're not talking about that kind of fruit. Now, actually, we can point back at Oregon, but that's just a totally different story. Uh, not that I make a political comment here. Uh, but, but, but the truth is that we can, we can look at what God has done for us for fruit. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of our lives. We're told that God up front, we did this uh, last week, blessed be the God and Father. Up front, Jesus implants in us through the Holy Spirit every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in every Christian. Can you imagine? The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and me. And if we're crucified with Christ, He lives in us. So we're truly playing with a full deck spiritually. The fruit of the Spirit is in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it's all in us. It's all given. We need to demonstrate it. This uh, last verse is one of my favorite. It says that God's at work in you and me to will and to work is good pleasure. He gives us a desire to do what he wants us to do. And then by the Spirit, he works us through it. You know, he, he, he allows it to come out. He does that. He does it. But our job is this to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We're working out what God has put in. I want to demonstrate Christ in my life. Every Christ follower does. We mourn over sin 
and we celebrate the opportunity of Christ going and working through us. We want to work out what he has already fully worked in. The fruit of Jesus Christ is in us, is love, joy, peace, and we want it to become the reality that we live in. Next, that's fruit of us. The fruit of ministry is serving other people. We, we go back to God's foreknowledge of everything that's there. We're saved by grace. It's a gift, not of ourselves, not a result of works. We can't earn it. But in Christ, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. He recreated me when I was born again. Nothing on the outside changed. No one would have known that. But inside, there was a radical transformation inside of me. I became God's workmanship, his poema, his work of art. <clears throat> you knew where I was going. Work of art. <laughs> Thank you for being honest. Uh, but created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good fruit that he prepared before the foundation of the world that he knew when I would become a Christian. He knew when you would become a follower of Christ and he knew what he would do through you. This is, this is incredible promises of this unconditional gift to each and every one of us. So what is the, what is the, the coming out of that? What is the certainty of that? What should we be doing? We should be living and bearing fruit, but there's another kind of fruit that we should be living and bearing for God. Following his purposes, we should be telling other people about Jesus Christ. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a word thing. As a matter of fact, if you're not living it and showing it in your actions and behaviors and attitudes, please don't tell them you're a Christian. If you're going to blow me off on the freeway down here, take off your bump, Christian bumper sticker first. this we are god's ambassadors for christ god makes his appeal through us and we appeal as a church and you appeal as followers of christ to those you meet be reconciled to god that's what i'm doing today just a reminder be reconciled to god and celebrate that reconciliation have wisdom toward those on the outside we talked about this really in the sunday school class for a moment today Speak truth, but speak it graciously and lovingly to them. Speak truth. These are the purposes of God. So now we, we, we've covered the gamut. We looked at the promises. We, 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 we went back to, to the main verse that's there. We said the ifs. You know, uh, the Spirit will help in our weakness, and He'll pray through us if He lives in us. If He doesn't live in us, we can't do that back to an if. It's a qualification. It's a requirement, if you will, that's there. And if he does that, our prayers will be answered and God will cause everything in your life and mine to work together for good. Our mistakes, our victories, our failures all work together for good. Because we love God. Qualification. Qualification. So these are the promises, the big ifs that are there. And this, and this is, oh, by the way, what's the result and what's the promise and what's the end of this story? A moment in time, that moment will last for eternity when we are face to face and God will say to us through Jesus Christ, you know, 
hey, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The, see, that's what this is all about. It's not about life here on earth, although this is where we have our life now to serve. But this place is temporary. You know, we should be worried about climate change, but we've got to remember who, who controls the thermostat. It's God, and this place is going to pass away. Well done for eternity. That's the option that, that he can speak into our life. Someday in heaven we'll hear it. But I tell you, today's are challenging days, and I put this up not as a, anything other than truth. We live in a, in a world that woke, woke to some new false teaching, some that's canceling Christianity, canceling culture. The gospel that I just gave you is veiled. If your kids go to school, they are not allowed to hear it. They are given a false religion of humanism where they can worship themselves. It is veiled. If you listen to mainstream media, the gospel of Jesus Christ is veiled and hidden and mocked. That's the truth of the world we live in today. You know, it's veiled. The God of this world, Satan, has hidden it. And the end result of that is the over 78% today of the people in our country feel they're going to heaven with no foundation. 50% call themselves Christians, followers of Christ. And yet only 2% know Christ. It's veiled. People are going to stand before God and, and this will happen. We will say... Uh, Hey, didn't we do all these works? Didn't I listen to Bill's boring messages for 22 weeks in Romans? Didn't I do that? Didn't I give money? Didn't I all this? And, and Christ will say, I'm sorry, I, depart from me. I never knew you. And they, they will know because God gave them the special revelation, the general revelation, the personal information. If, if we're sinning and separated from God, at some level we know it. Even in my the depth of addiction and foolishness in my life, when I stopped, my conscience told me I was wrong. But this is, this is the outcome. Now, how, how did I get in that spot where if I would have died uh, it, it, before I became a Christian? I had two tours in Vietnam. I had 900 combat missions. I had almost 1,000 hours in combat. Uh, any moment, uh, could have died. I didn't. I <laughs> Drove foolishly, intoxicated, and didn't die. I would have been this guy because I thought I was a Christian. How, what did I base it on? What was, how did the God of this world blind me? And, and some here, the challenges may be the case. I believed in God. I just believed enough to know he was there, but even the demons believe he's there. Belief without action is not faith. I thought I was a good person. I was taught to be a, think I was a good person. I wasn't. So I was, create, I was creating my own path to God, choosing a little here, a little there, maybe a little Hindu, I'm okay, you're okay, a little psychology thrown in, a little Bible thrown in so I could call myself a Christian. Celebrated the holidays, my heart was not in it. 
Uh, I had created my own personal Jesus, the one I controlled, the one who was my little pet Jesus uh, that was there. I, I created my own path. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes up. I created my own path because I was so cool I could do that. I justified my sins and I blamed others for them. Uh, I prayed selfishly. When I did pray, and I did pray, Lord, when I'm in deep weeds, get me out of this and I'll serve you forever. Bold lies. Bold manipulation. That a brick, boop, boom. No Holy Spirit. Uh, never thought of it before. Boop, boom. Uh, I rested in the idea that because I was Bill and God was love, he would not send me to hell. Many people live in that delusion today. But the truth is, God is good and he is love. He does not send people to hell. We choose. We choose. So the application is very simple today. Is, is for followers of Christ, category one, we celebrate. Because we made a decision to hear Jesus' voice, to pick up our cross, which means death to ourself, and to follow him. And clearly, we had to make the decision, you save his life to lose it. If, if you try to hang on to anything, you'll lose your life. That's the commitment. That's, that's group one. We celebrate that the if box is checked for us. The seeker box, the people in the middle. We just want more truth. Let us help. If free Bibles, free books, free everything, free bill. Call me. I'll talk forever, and you'll want to get out of there. Uh, if you want a rational conversation, call Dion uh, <laughs> as we do that. So, but, but let us help. That's why we're here in that journey. And for that third group, maybe one person here or on the Internet or somewhere that says, you know, I've been fooling myself. I have bought the lie of this world. You see, the, the journey from the wrong side of the cross to the right side of the cross is a decision. It's not a quick decision, but it's a decision of the heart to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength because he loved us first. Simple offer. We can help in that process. Let us know. 20 years ago, we would have stopped and prayed now and asked people to commit to that. But the God of this world has so captured people that we don't do that anymore because I want to sit, I want someone to sit and have a conversation that biblical Christianity is what we're committing to. So I invite you into a conversation. If that's where you're, if you realize today that you might be in that situation saying to Lord, Lord, didn't I do this for you? And he has to say, I never knew you. If we can help, let us know. Join me. Lord, we, we stand before you. We pray, knowing that the Holy Spirit, as we speak, is interceding with words so heavenly, so perfect, so wonderful, that we cannot understand them. We couldn't even verbalize them. Lord, we thank you for this personal connection with the living God. We stand in the holy place. And, and we hold ourselves and each person up that's listening. Thank you that you're searching hearts. You're sending your spirit to touch and change lives. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen.
Next week, we're going to talk about God's love and nothing can separate us from God's love. Thanks for coming. 